Good morning and welcome to Sharper Iron. Spend the next hour with us studying the living and active Word of God, His two-edged sword of law and gospel, recorded for you in Holy Scripture, all about Jesus Christ, crucified, risen, and ascended for you. Thanks for tuning in this morning here on Worldwide KFUO. Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. I'm your host, Pastor Timothy Apple of Faith Lutheran Church in Godfrey, Illinois. Thank you to the generous underwriters of Sharper Iron, the Lutheran Church Extension Fund, where your investments help support the work of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. Visit lcef.org for more information. And Luther Classical College, a college for Lutherans by Lutherans, opening in fall 2025. Learn more at lutherclassical.org. On this Tuesday, April 25th, we are studying 1 John chapter 4, verses 1 to 6. In today's text, St. John shows us how to test the spirits to see whether they are from God. To help us sharpen our faith in Christ as we study God's Word today, we have with us returning guest, Pastor Andrew Belt. Pastor Belt serves at Christ Lutheran Church in Marshfield, Wisconsin. Pastor Belt, welcome back to Sharp Iron. Glad to be back. Thanks for having me. As we get started today, Pastor, help us with some context. What should we know about this epistle and the context leading up to chapter 4? Well, you know, I was what I love about uh, John's writing in particular is it's kind of if you kind of jumped into the middle of the conversation with John, you're kind of be like, well, what what in the world do you mean by that? Uh, when he when John writes, he always he'll start with kind of like his basic premise, and he kind of expands outward. You know, I always remember professors and, and people you know that I've learned from who would always talk about John as that that spiral staircase that he kind of he'll return to a point, and when he does, he kind of will flesh it out further. Uh, so you, you got to kind of keep what he said already in mind when you get to his next point about it, because uh, otherwise you might be kind of thrown off the wagon a bit and, and kind of uncertain of where, where John's going with That's this. Right. That's right. Yeah. So take us into some of those spirals that we need to pay attention to as we look at John's words here at the beginning of chapter four. Yeah. So, you know, in our, in our lesson today, especially as we get into chapter four, he's going to bring up that Antichrist again. Um, you know, Antichrist, we heard back in chapter two is, you know, denies Jesus Christ, you know, uh, it's coming in the flesh, you know, the replacement of that's what the Antichrist means. You know, we'll talk, I'm sure, flesh that out here too. Uh, but, you know, when we got John, when he first began this epistle, uh, he really, he talked about why he's writing. Uh, he says it, I think, like five or six times throughout his epistle, right? I'm writing these things to you, you know, so that, uh, and right at the beginning, right, he kind of gives his apostolic uh, credibility there when he says, you know, the things that we have seen, the things that we have heard, uh, and we're writing these things so that you can have fellowship with us just as, as we have fellowship with the Son and the Son with the Father. Uh, you know, so he gives us that confidence, that certainty. And as we'll come today, right, those who uh, an- announce Jesus Christ as coming and still comes in the flesh, so does John now. He presents this message to to his readers, to his, you know, the congregation uh, the people that he loves, uh, and now to us, right? Because these letters have come to us, so now we are going to be joined in with this fellowship. You know that word for koinonia there—that you know the coming together, a, a life together. And uh, yeah, this, so John is all about that in his letter. He wants us to write that. And so here in chapter four, especially as we get into the discussion today, uh, you know he's fighting with the idea that you know these other spirits who are coming in with a different message. And it's not like, you know, no big deal. You know, there's just opinions. For John, this is going to be a matter of life and death. You know, between the spirit who gives love and life and then the the spirit, the Antichrist that comes from the devil, the one who is in the world, who is the liar and the murderer. uh, You know, he's going to have a lot to say about that, and especially in our section today. We've seen John 
deal with these distinctions before, and they're really they're just these two realities, two families. Sometimes we've seen that we've got the family of God or the family of the devil, two origins. You might say you're either from God or you're from the world, or you belong to to the world or you belong to God, and that same division is still evident here. There is you're either going to have a spirit who is the spirit of God, or there will be a spirit from the world, and I. I've always found this section of First John particularly helpful in our day and age because mm-hmm. of the spirit of our age. There's a refrain that at least used to be common, and it may still be common, where people will say, I'm spiritual but not religious, which is, it, it right. might, there may be something to that, but the question that I would have is, well, what spirit are you following? What sort of spirituality is this? Is it a spirituality from God? Or it is a spirit, or is it a spirituality from something else, from the Antichrist? So I, I think this is a very helpful chapter for our day and age today. Now, give us some more of that context that John's been leading up to in chapter three. I know you've, you've said there are spirals, so it's not just chapter three that provides the context, but I think some of the things he's been talking about recently do help with this particular section. Yeah. And, uh, you know, as you were talking, that reminded me of John chapter 8, too, back right. in the gospel, where uh, Jesus, you know, he's kind of like, why don't you guys under get my words? And, you know, and his conclusion is because you're not God's right. children, right? You you must be children of the devil. So, he, you know, Jesus kind of does this same kind of idea, too. Uh, and John's picking up with that. And in chapter 3, you know, it began with that, you know, we usually read on All Saints Day right. is the beloved, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears... We will be like him because we will see him as he is. Uh, so that beautiful idea as he began in chapter three that, you know, we are God's children that, you know, there's that gospel proclamation, right? That because of Jesus Christ, we are God's children now, right? We might, we don't always look like it. In fact, rarely, but we do get glimpses of it here and there of what we will be. Uh, but this is a, a reality that's ours now. Uh, and so this creates that tension, you know, between the now and the not yet, the, the old man and the new man. And especially as we're going to, you know, for us who hope in Jesus, you know, we, we purify ourselves, as John would say, even as he is pure. And so that new man is always going to be looking to the coming of Christ, right? And the, the dying of this present age, the evil age that's under the captivity of Satan and the various spirits, the various teachings, uh, the ages of our world. Um, and, you know, but the old man is going to be looking for this. So we're going to see this conflict, right? And John's all about the conflict between light and darkness and, you know, the, the light of Christ and the, the darkness of the world. Uh, John's always really big in that in all of his writings and especially in this. So chapter three, we caught that a lot. And then that kind of turned John to, you know, what as Christians should we be focusing in on? You know, now that we are God's children and we have this, you know, the, the flesh of our own sinful flesh and the world of the darkness you know, we now turn our attention to love, loving, you know, God, loving his command, loving his word, right? Here's the commandment, you know, uh, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and love your brother. Uh, who, who can uh, say he loves God if he hates his brother? And, you know, he's really focusing on that brother and sister in Christ. Um, and the joy that we have there, that there's the body of Christ. And so when I see my, you know, fellow believer in the Lord, that's not just a, a random person. That's someone whom Jesus has called and now has grafted me to, you know, on the cross, we just did this on Good Friday, right? The uh, mother, behold your son, son, behold your mother. You know, Jesus redefines this idea of what it means to be family, right? And it, it's God, it's born of God, um, we might say from John right. 1. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 So, I mean, the theme of love has 
been throughout John's letter here and continues, especially after our section today. I think that that's one of the the main themes that we'll see John pick up after this is this love that God has for us, that then we in turn love each other. And I guess what what's nice about seeing this section right after it is that the love that God has for us and that we share for each other is connected to the matter of true doctrine. I mean, those those things are not yeah. separate for John, and he's able to to just go from, hey, you you need to love your brother, and if you don't, there's a problem, straight to the matter of you also need to hold on to the true doctrine. Those two things go hand yep. in hand for John. Yep. Yeah, you can't have love without understanding what that means. Right? It's the fifth commandment. You know, you shall not murder. Well, you know, if you don't believe in that rightly, if you don't confess that, you know, you're not going to love your brother. Uh, you're going to murder him. And, you know, that's just that crass example from that commandment. Right. So just keep us, uh, remind us again of, of chapter three, because at the end of chapter three, John did bring up the Holy Spirit being given to us. And I think that really is going to provide a bridge into our section today. Right. You know, in his, um, he says this, I'll just read the verse, verse 24 there. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God and God in him. And by this, we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given. And, and you know, and Jesus does a lot of that discussion too in John chapter 15, right? I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, he'll bear much fruit. Um, that's how our Lord puts it. And uh, that sets up that commandment with Maundy Thursday, right? And uh, Jesus in the upper room, love one another as I have loved you. You know, it's this kind of self-sacrificial love. Um, you know, the spirit, we never count the cost, you know, as, as it were, when it comes to love. We just continue to pour forth uh, no matter what, what comes our way, we let the, let the chips fall. Um, and, you know, this is the Holy Spirit being given uh, to us that it strengthens us in Christ, motivates that love from Christ to the brothers. And, you know, that that's why John's going to, in our section, when he takes that switch, when he starts talking about don't believe every spirit, because the spirit that's in the world is going to convince that uh, the loving of myself, uh, you know, that it's that Antichrist is the placing replacement of Jesus with me and uh, whatever I need, my my cares, my support. And it's always looking at that, you know, that the, there's our Latin word for the day, the incurvatus and se, right? The, I'm always turned in on myself. And uh, that's the, the Antichrist wants to promote that. And the spirit that Christ has given to us is always drawing us out of ourselves to look to Jesus. And Jesus always has us look then at our brother and sister uh, with mercy and grace that he shows us too. Yeah. And uh, there's, there's that kind of beautiful way of life that's easy to say, but, you know, in our world with our own sinful flesh, you know, what a, hangs on our yeah. neck uh, all our days. Right. right. So yeah. as, as John told us yesterday, then we should, we should pray. We should ask for these things from the Lord, yeah. trusting that he will answer that prayer and help us to do the things that he has given. So with all that in mind, we jump into the fourth chapter of this epistle. This is first John four, beginning at verse one, beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, and every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the Spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them, for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world. Therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. 
By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. That's our text for today. That's 1 John 4, verses 1 to 6. So, Pastor Belt, as John starts here, there's that, that very first word of the text I think we should at least mention briefly, because John speaks this way often, and sometimes we are prone to skip over it. He calls his readers the beloved. Why is that significant? Right. You know, I that beloved word, and we get that the part of that word that's in the Greek text there is that agape word, right? That uh, that loved, and we can think in the, especially in the scriptures, Jesus is often called the beloved. Um, you know, I think of Paul in Ephesians, and uh, you know, the Father calls his son the beloved son. This is my beloved son. Listen to him, um, in both the bat, you know, the uh, baptism and in the transfiguration. And uh, and that word just denotes that God's, you know, that covenant love, that a promised, steadfast, certain, it's not that whiff, waffy, uh, today I feel this, tomorrow I might feel that, is like the dedicated, you know, loved. And, and you know, John, to, to John to look at his people, and, you know, I think, you know, we're pastors, uh, the people that Jesus loves, Jesus loves me, he loves his people, and I can look at them and say, Beloved, you know, so many. How many of our sermons begin with that, dear beloved saints in the Lord Jesus? You know, it is um, that that word just connotates that that familial family uh, connectedness. And for John, John cares about these people. You know, he lo- Jesus just said, you know, love your brothers. And here, G- you know, John can't help but look at these congregation and the people he's writing to, even us still today, because and we're reading it and we're beloved. We have that fellowship, and that's what it means to have that fellowship too. Is that that love, that uh, I'm going to give everything here for you, um, just as our Lord has done yeah, for us. Yeah, even... Uh, so John cares. Yeah, that's right. And even, I was, you know, as you're talking about, it shows up in our sermons often, even in the the old 5 and 15, Beloved in the Lord, let mm. us draw near with a true right. heart and confess our sins unto God our Father. So yeah, the fact that we are beloved is not something that we should ever skip over. We are loved by God. We are loved by his people. This has been a big theme in John's gospel. Or and and in his and his epistle, so beloved, he says, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. Help us into this verse. You know, we have this is always a common. You know, many of Paul's letters are always very concerned about you know this the right teaching, not not just you know the right teaching is what actually builds true community, true love. Um, you know, if, if a correct witness to Christ actually points us to the one true Christ, uh, you know, Jesus warns his people during Holy Week, right? And in many of his final, his eschatological speeches, when he's talking about the end and the return, that there will be, you know, many people who will deceive people and lead them astray and if possible, even the elect. And so, you know, Jesus, Paul, and here John, they're giving us the same warning to, you know, do not believe every spirit, or we would say, you know, teaching. You know, that, that word that we have in the Bible for spirit is also the same word for breath and, and for wind. And so don't believe, you know, like every, you know, every windbag that has, opens their mouth and, uh, and starts talking, right? Attest them. And I always think of the book of Acts, right? The, when Paul comes, the Bereans, when he's preaching, you know, he's talking, what do they do? We're told that they open up the scriptures, right? They look at the Old Testament and they're sitting there like, yeah, Paul's right. That's exactly what that says. That's exactly it. So they, you know, the, they can trust the apostolic witness here. And uh, so we, we look to the spirits, we're looking for the teachings. What are this person saying? What are they, what are they doing? 
Um, a few years ago, I had a conversation with someone and they came to me because they, they heard some online guy and he, w- he was giving out health tips and things like that. And, and then he started using that kind of those health tips as a way of saying, hey, you should also believe me about the spiritual realm. Then he started saying things, one of them being, you know, Jesus is just one of many options. And as I was going through and having this discussion, uh, and I said, what do you notice about what he, he teaches? And uh, the, the person I was talking to is just like, well, he starts getting into all, he's right about the health tips. And then he starts getting into all the spiritual stuff. I'm like, and what's he trying to get you to believe about that? And it was funny how she started connecting the dots. She's like, oh, this is kind of, talk about miracles, right? Oh, if you believe him about these health tips, you believe him about Jesus then. And uh, it, there, there's this idea then that we got to, just because he's right about these little details and you know any health tip that you can read in any health book, um, doesn't mean we start listening to him then when he starts speaking about Jesus. And that's what we mean by testing. You know, Just because he starts talking about Jesus, even if he's right about this or that other thing in life, um, we start talking about Jesus Christ and what's being taught there. We have to keep our eyes and ears very fixed and yeah. tuned because um, many false prophets are in yeah, the world. Yeah, that's right. And so you, you mentioned how Jesus talks about false teachers and Paul talks about false teachers and, and John here talks about false teachers. The example that you gave just a moment ago about the, the health tips and then the that might have been good, but then the false teaching spiritually reminded me of the way that Moses talks about false teachers in the book of Deuteronomy. Uh, we studied Deuteronomy here on Sharper Iron last year, and, and in chapter 13 of that book, Moses brings up the situation where a false prophet might do a sign, and he might predict a sign, and it actually comes to pass, but then that false prophet starts urging you to go after other gods. That's the mm. part where you need to pay attention and get rid of that guy. You, you don't listen to him. Yep. Just because his sign came to pass, pay attention to his words, because that's where you you see whether or not this truly is a of, of the Spirit of God or of the Spirit of the world. And John's got the same thing here. And, and again, I think it's a very important warning for our day and age so that we don't become impressed by all of the the signs so often you know you, the, the wind bag so often it's it's not just like you know <laughs> you and i most people are just hearing our voices they don't necessarily know what we look like so we are just being heard but so often right. you can see things right everything's visual these day and age and it can look very impressive you need to pay attention to the words and that's where you'll actually discern whether or not the spirit is true yeah yeah and I think of Paul, you know, Paul gives this warning to young Timothy in First Timothy chapter 4. You know, he gives a warning that in the last days, you know, uh, there'll be a, a great falling away, right? People will find teachers to suit their own, you know, itching ears. And, and uh, you know, this really con- connotes a spiritual battle. Um, you know, what's, what's at stake here when we talk about these false spirits and false teachings and being led away from Christ um, is it's no small thing. This is the survival of the church. This is the of congregations at stake, uh, right? So we must always watch ourselves. And you know, I love Paul. He tells Timothy, right? He says, uh, you know, keep a watch over yourself and over the doctrine. By so doing, you will save both yourself and your hearers. And and that's that's key. You know, keeping to the apostolic message. And John has all been about that from the very get go when he's announced, you know, who he is and. And, you know, who he has seen and touched. And that's why he's writing these things. You know, he has seen Jesus in the flesh. Um, You know, he's a witness to these things. Uh, You know, he gives that apostolic credibility that we mentioned already at the beginning of the episode where, you know, he says, yeah, I am one that has come from God. And he'll get into that later on here in our section today that, you know, he is from God. 
because he holds to the right teaching and therefore to the right love um, that will sustain and keep the ch- the churches and the congregations who hear this hear this mm-hmm. message. Yeah, I, th- I think it's a very important connection to keep making. You said it earlier, I think like this, that right teaching builds the true community. Right teaching builds the true church. Right. And that love that John has been extolling to us, the love that we first have in Christ who has loved us by dying, that we then share for the brothers, that love can only be rightly shaped and ordered if we hold on to the true teaching. If we, and and here I'm thinking back to earlier conversations I had with this epistle, if we abide, if we remain Mm. in Jesus' words, which is the way Jesus talks in John's gospel, it's what he's commended to his readers here, to remain in the word, to remain in that truth. That's the only way that the love that he's been describing, and that he will go on to describe later in this chapter, that love can only happen when we remain in this right teaching, in this truth. So what your pastor says about caring about true doctrine really is important, and it really does make a difference for, for more than just, hey, I'm, I'm right. That's not what it's about. It's about holding on to Christ and then loving each other. Yeah, and you know what I love about that word "abide." Or keep, you know, anyone who keeps yeah. my words, you know, will never see death. You know, that word "keep" is not just, you know, we we kind of think, oh, I need to do them, right? There, there's that, but there's uh, even more importantly, the keep. I treasure these words. You know, when we hear on, you know, when we come to divine service, we hear, "Your sins are forgiven," right? That's Jesus speaking. You know, when you take this, eat, this is my body, take, drink, this is my blood, right? We chair, no one's going to take those from us. No one's going to deny that Jesus is coming in the flesh. Um, no one's going to, you know, take that joy from us because uh, this is our Lord coming to abide in us and we in him. And therefore, there's going to be love that abounds with us. And, you know, we pray that in the post-communion collect, right? The, the true faith in you and love for one another. Um, you know, so John's epistle rings out in our, our liturgy, yeah. especially in the communion liturgy. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. So, beloved, do not believe every spirit. Test the spirits to see whether they are from God, for many false prophets have gone out into the world. And and watch out for them. I think this is yeah. this is something that we do well to take seriously, and perhaps we're not—we often don't take it as seriously as we should. Well, that's just a little false doctrine, Pastor. It's not that big a deal. <laughs> yeah. How much uh, false doctrine I always is think too of, much? Uh, hmm. Yeah, right. I, I always heard the analogy. I think I've heard Wolf Mueller say this one, where you know how much uh, you know uh, manure do you want in your yeah. brownie, and uh, it not. I don't want any any of it at all, right? And that same thing with false teaching. Should we even? Do you want just a little bit sprinkled in? No, of course yeah. not, because you know that could get you sick. Right. Um, yeah. Same thing with this, right? You don't want to be cut off from the vine. That's right. That's right. So, so how much false doctrine? Well, none is the goal. Don't don't believe any false doctrine. Just believe what Christ <laughs> exactly. has said, and so test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. You mentioned the Bereans in in Acts chapter seventeen, and this this thought of testing the spirits. How does how do we put that into practice within our own congregations? Just as as pastors mm-hmm. and parishioners, how should a how should parishioners listen to their pastor? And, and test the spirits, listen to what he's saying, and how should pastors receive those conversations from their parishioners? Yeah. You know, I think it's always, and one of my sermons, you know, especially early on, I first came to my congregation, I, I told them, you know, I am, man, I can err. Um, you know, I am I am not, you know, Jesus here in, in the flesh, right? I, I can sin and err. And so when I do, you need to call me out, right? And for the benefit of the flock, you know, so if I start saying weird things and, or if you have questions, right, what you need to do is come up to me and talk, right? Uh, so part of that testing, you always, you know, think there's Matthew 18, right? Uh, 
part of that we can use where we, if you had a question, right? And I've had a couple of Christians like, you said this in the sermon. What did you mean yeah. by that, right? And that gives me one a time to teach further and expand. Or if I'm kind of off base, you can be like, I don't know about that, right? And that gets me to think and that can call me to repent. It's like, yeah, you're right. You know, I, maybe I am off on that. Yeah. I'm getting off on the teaching. Uh, and so there's kind of a, a healthy respect, right? So it's not like we're looking to, you know, hunt down witches right. here. And, uh, oh, you said, I think a little bit something wrong. I think I'm going to jump on you here. But there is opportunity for questions. There's opportunity to search further. And so what I think really helps pastors and lay people is just like the Bereans, we need to be in the Word. Uh, you know, that's part of the goal of us doing this here today, right? We're trying to be in the Word. We're trying to hear the teaching of what John is laying across, the apostolic witness, hear the words of Jesus. And we need to keep hearing that. So if we need to abide in Jesus... Right? That means we need to keep hearing his word. Right, That's our, our, our blood. It's our sustenance. Um, it's what's going to keep us alive. Uh, and so people, you know, we live in an age, you know, and you, you can probably speak to this in your own context experience too, um, where biblical literacy is really dropping. And how often does that allow, you know, the spirits, you know, the false spirits yeah. to really get an edge on it where they might even use scripture and, and twist it just like how the devil does with, you know, Adam and Eve and with our own Lord Jesus. You know, he takes a little word of God and, and then kind of suits it to his own end. How quickly, um, if you are not up on the scripture, if you do not know them, right, uh, how easy is it for the spirits to kind of gain an upper hand on us? Um, you know, this is our sword. You know, Paul, you know, the sword of the spirit, the word of God. You know, we need to always be up on this. We need to be sharp, huh, right. sharpening our blades, as it were. Yeah. And uh, that's what I think will help both lay and pastors and to have that respect for one another, too, and seeing this is the goal. And that's part of how we love one another. Yeah, too. no, for sure. I um, think so. Yeah, yeah. The, that's part of the love for a pastor and congregation is to be in the word together so that the pastor does everything he can to speak truly and to listen in humility when a parishioner asks a question so that if he has spoken falsely or, or maybe not falsely, on purpose. I think, you know, the, the pastors right. at Lutheran Church of Missouri Synod that I know are not speaking falsely on purpose, but right. not, we, we may not always speak in the most helpful way. And so if you if you hear your pastor speak in a way that is confusing, then then ask him. He he probably wants to talk to you about what he's brought oh, yeah. up. And he wants to dig into the word of God with you. And and as you said, the more that we are in the word together, the better we will be able to do what Paul what John is talking about here in testing the spirits to know the truth of God's word together so that we are not led astray, but instead are led closer to Christ the vine and so remain in him and have his life. We need to we need to take our break, Pastor Belt. You're listening to Sharper Iron here on KFUO. We're talking to Pastor Andrew Belt this morning about 1 John chapter 4. We'll be right back. Please stick around. Did you know that Lutherans are helping new American immigrants get settled? How about struggling church workers in need of support and refreshment? And we assist at-risk children and provide disaster response to hurricane victims. Through LCMS recognized service organizations, we are doing all this and more. I'm Rahema Kavuga of Lutheran Church Extension Fund, and I don't want you to miss out on hearing what your brothers and sisters in Christ are up to. Visit interesttime.org to see how your support gives life to these works of mercy and love.
Welcome back to Sharper Iron. It is Tuesday, April 25th. We're studying 1 John chapter 4, verses 1 to 6 with Pastor Andrew Belt. He serves at Christ Lutheran Church in Marshfield, Wisconsin. Pastor Belt, prior to the break, we were talking about verse 1, where St. John tells us to test the spirits to see whether they are from God. And then in verse 2, he begins to give the diagnostic. So he says in verse 2, By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And and then into three, every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. Help us into this diagnostic that St. John gives. Yeah. You know, first he gives us the admonition, right? Test every spirit. And then he gives us the the criteria. Here's how you know then, right? When you confirm it's either from God or not. And the first thing it says, every spirit that confesses, you know, that word homologia there, that, that say the same thing. Right, So they're not saying something new or something different. They're confessing what's always been confessed about Christ. And you know, as we look at the history of the church, we look at the Lutheran confessions, and the Augsburg, uh, you know, how often do they say, here's what's always been taught in the church. Here's what's always been said. We're saying that too. And I think that's always kind of a key thing is that we are, there's always been one Lord, one faith, one baptism, right? Ephesians 4. There's been one line. There's not like, okay, we, we've said this here, but now here we're going to say this. Um, that's always kind of a good giveaway that the spirit of the Antichrist is here. And what, that, that saying the same thing, what should we be saying the same thing of? Well, John gives us that too here, that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh, uh, is from God. And that's how you know which ones come from God. And I always kind of like, you know, I've heard, and I've, I've just loved that. Uh, that has come there. The, here's our, you know, our language nerds for today, uh, you know, which we are. And uh, it's a perfect tense, you know. And in Greek, it's not just a past action, right? Has come, right? So it's not like it, it was once a long time ago, but no more. You know, Jesus promises, I will be with you always. You know, we're in the, you know, as we're given this, we're in the Easter season. And, you know, we're looking forward to the ascension. And the ascension, you know, Jesus veils his presence. But that doesn't mean he's not here anymore, right? He is present with his church. So it's not that he just has come, but he is also still, it's a continuing reality. He is still with his church. Uh, and so one of the things I always, you know, love that same spirit. I remember uh, Luther, when he's debating uh, Zwingli, you know, as they come away from that conference, right, they couldn't agree on the Lord's Supper. And because, uh, you know, Luther's, you know, this is my body. <clears throat> and I, you know, the debate there, he walks away and says that Zwingli has a, a different spirit. Um, you know, th- th- this wasn't the same spirit there. And, you know, I think he's maybe, uh, Luther was thinking maybe of this context in this verse here, um, that Jesus still comes. He, here, this is my body. This is my blood. You know, he is still in the flesh. Uh, he's still with his church. Um, you know, so that, I think that's talk about that kind of teaching. And you know, we'll get into later verse 4 and 5. Why do we make it such a big deal out of things like the Lord's Supper? And is Jesus truly physically present? You know, We care because, well, this is our Lord's word and this is our Lord's gifts. And, and this is actually how love grows in the church. And when we say this same thing. Um, yeah, so that, you know, that, that joy that this is the testing in verse 2. That's how we know we've come from God. That Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. And and John, he's dealing with the Gnostics in his day, which, you know, Jesus Christ did not come in the flesh. You know, he's just, a, you know, the, the just appeared maybe. He's just a spirit. And that's why the gospel send, spends so much time about the resurrection. <clears throat> that Jesus Christ actually came in the flesh. He's risen in the flesh. He ascended in the flesh. He, he, you know, he still is with his church in flesh. Um, you know, that's 
his were his body. Yeah. Uh, so that's those are important teachings, and 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 John here wants us to make sure of that. As so well. this is you know John gives the diagnostic: Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. I think sometimes you know when we think about false teaching, we associate it first and foremost with someone who would say Jesus is not God. For example, the Jehovah's Witnesses, who would not say that Jesus is of the same substance as the Father, they would not say that Jesus is fully right. God. Which I think that's that's certainly involved in what John says here, but he he makes the distinction that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh, whether or not Jesus is a man, that Jesus is God who is man. So talk about why that is important too. Not the, not only that we confess Jesus is God, but also to confess that Jesus, who is God, is also man. Why is that an important part yeah. of our confession? Yeah. You know, if you don't have Jesus Christ as taking on our substance, you can't have the substitute for sin, right? Uh, the church fathers will always talk about, right, what has not been assumed is not redeemed. And, you know, if Jesus Christ is not true man, if he is not our brother, right, now we're getting to the book of Hebrews, Right then, he has not actually paid for sin, uh, our sin. Right, he is our substitute, and so he has to take on the same nature as us. Uh, he is our brother in every way, save sin, uh, and so that way he's able to take on our sin. Uh, so Jesus Christ has to be true man, um, you know, God in the flesh, and uh, that that's that's so key to our confession. If you lose that, you lose salvation. Um, you, you lose the hope that we, that we have in Christ. Um, so that's, you know, that, that's in a summary right there. That's kind of the sure. whole point. Yeah. And, and John, um, I mean, John, again, you talk about the idea of him spiraling throughout his, his letter, the staircase. I'm thinking back all, all the way to chapter one, where John says that the hmm. blood of Jesus, his God's son cleanses us from all sin already just in that verse in the first chapter, you have both yeah. the divine and human natures in Christ that he, he has blood. This is his blood. He is a human being, but it is blood that cleanses us from sin. So it is, it is divine blood. Yeah. And so here just John makes it explicit that the spirit of God and every spirit who comes from him will confess Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. Those spirits that don't confess Jesus those spirits are from the Antichrist. So talk about those right. spirits. You know, the, the Antichrist, you know, we have in our kind of our culture, and I don't know how much sway this still holds, you know, because I, I don't hear it as much anymore, but I'm sure that the air is still kind of the stale air of this. Um, you know, it's the idea that the Antichrist is some enemy that's at the end, right? He makes this sudden terrible appearance at the very end of the world. Um, but yet John here is very, very intentional that the Antichrist has always been at work within the church. Um, and, and this is not just a threat from outside, right? This is not political hostile forces. Both Paul and John, you know, they make it very clear that the threat of the Antichrist is something that occurs in the church. Um, it's not of the church, uh, right? But it, it infiltrates and gets inside and pretends to be it. Uh, you know, Antichrist, we think is against, right? We have that, that rhetoric in our culture and our language that anti means opposed to. And there, there is that here too, but in that Greek, in this context, when John's writing, anti means in the place of, right? So the Antichrist is whatever seeks to replace or stand in the place of Jesus. Um, and that's, that's what's working here too. So these spirits are going to try to prop themselves up 
as a replacement Jesus, uh, a false Jesus. Um, you know, a false, a false Christ have false prophets, uh, just as the true Jesus has a true, true prophets, the true speakers on his behalf. Um, so here, right, this is something that's at work in the church, um, and it competes with this message. You know, the, you know, when God builds a church, the devil builds a, a chapel next door kind of idea. Um, that that's what's going on here too. This that spirit which is in the world, which is coming and is now already in the world. So even if there is this, you know, great final manifestation of the Antichrist, you know, and our Lutheran confessions have, you know, the vicar of Christ, the, the Pope who stands in that place, you know, we, we use that kind of language. And, um, you know, is already at work. And it's just, it's been a part of the world, part of the church throughout her, her beginning, throughout her life, and until her end, you know, the Antichrist is at work. And so this is not just a future concern, this is something that we need to be concerned about now. And if it's true in John's day, which it certainly is, it's certainly going to be true in our day and age as yeah, well. Yeah, this is the, the reality yeah. in which the church lives in these last days before Christ's return, right. that these these things are, are true. And it was true for John, it is true for us still today. And the, the fact that, you know, again, the denial is that Jesus hasn't come in the flesh. That's the, the dividing line. Now, just thinking back to what John had said at the very beginning of this epistle, that He's seen and touched, and I mean, just the very mm. physical nature of, of his witness goes hand in hand again with what he's saying here. Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. This is, is this is, he's a real human being who has come to be our Savior. God has come in our humanity. You, we saw him, we touched him, we listened to him with our own ears. That's the the truth that that we confess, and that's the truth that the Antichrist and all the spirits that go forth from it deny. Which, you know, in our context, too, you know, what we have left, the apostles still speak. They just are now written down. Here we have their memoirs and their readings of Jesus. You know, like, that's what we have from them. Here's the inheritance. So in our day and age, you know, the fight for the scriptures and for, you know, this being the word of God uh, from his apostles who saw him and touched him and got to see these things and hear these words, you know, oh, if to live in those days to have John and, and Peter tell you stories that you know we don't have written down, but here is what we do have, and here's why John wrote this, that so we could be joined to them uh, with this certainty. Um, you know, these are a treasure for us. You know, these scriptures, uh, the New Testament, what a joy. And you know, talk about keeping and abiding the word, uh, guarding that. You know, I think a large part of the work of the Antichrist will be to deny these scriptures. All right, because that's where the chief message is. That's where the the witness still lives. Right, um, and the church should always hold yeah, to that. Yeah, and, and the other thing about the way that this shows up in our day and age, it's always struck me that the you know G the denial is that Jesus has come in the flesh. That's the the point, and the place where you see divisions within Christianity today so often deal with those places that are very fleshly. That where God joins His word mm. to the physical elements of this world, we call those things the sacraments, where God takes his promise and he attaches it to water or he attaches it to bread and wine. And and we would we would say with Scripture that in baptism and in the Lord's Supper, this is Jesus coming in the flesh still today. There are those who deny that. And I, yeah. I think we need to take John very seriously here about those divisions that those who deny what Christ is doing in the sacrament, they have a spirit that is not from God. Right. And and notice what happens when you start believing that. Then all of a sudden this becomes our work that we start doing. 
And no longer do we enjoy the victory of Christ given to us in the sacraments, but we, we lose that. So even if we do believe Jesus Christ, right, as I've heard that they'll tell me because I've had these conversations, well, I believe Jesus Lord and does this, and, and, uh, and I'll say, well, thanks be to God for that. Uh, but you're missing out on so much more that our Lord has in store for us to keep us, uh, you know, in strong in the faith until he comes again, right? So it's kind of like you're, you're shooting yourself in the foot yeah. almost. Uh, and then, of course, that can set you in gangrene and infect you and hurt your faith too. Um, so these are, these are important confession of faith. And, you know, the church in our day, we really, you know, we, we need to hold to this, hold to these, you know, these truths that the scripture gives and not just you know this is what you believe and this is what i believe there is one teaching uh there is one spirit there are many spirits but there is one holy spirit um that has been given by christ for his church yeah and the holy spirit Um, bears witness to the truth as christ promised in john's gospel and so when we believe the truth of christ's words we do have the holy spirit when we yeah. do not believe the truth of Christ's words, we are pushing the Holy Spirit away. And that that's true. I mean, again, the sacraments, I think, are the place where this text invites us to consider. But anytime mm-hmm. we deny the truth of Jesus' words, that's a dangerous game. To hear, to hear Jesus say, this is true, and then to say in response, no, it's not, that's not yeah. the response of faith. Lord have yeah. mercy. Yeah. And, um, you know, when it comes to the sacraments, you know, when we have that joy, um, I always kind of notice when I have these discussions, you know, with people when they they deny deny that and they'll say, well, God can't do that. I always find that just to be, it's uncomfortable, right? God can't do that. (laughs) Are you sure? Um, Are you sure? And then you get down to, you know, the whole point of that. Well, then you end up denying the incarnation itself. If God can't do this in the sacraments of baptism and Holy Communion, then it is impossible that he can become enfleshed in real human being and flesh and, and that too, right? So all of a sudden we start limiting God there. We might as well just That's throw right. all the way. Yep. Yep. Um, and, and you're right yeah. where John has said, the, those spirits that or those that confess Jesus Christ has come in the flesh, that is from the Spirit of God. Those who deny that are not from the Spirit of God. And so the, right. these, are, these are important things. Again, as you said at the, the outset, we need to be in the Word of God so that we know the truth of God's Word so that we can recognize what is true, what is false, as we hear the various voices within this world. This is John's warning to us that still stands. In verse 4, he continues. He says, Little children, you are from God and have overcome them, for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Help us into this verse. Hmm. You know, I love that, the the spirit that's in them, right? The spirit that's been given by Jesus. You know, Jesus in John 20, who breathes his spirit on them, received the Holy Spirit, you know, comes down on Pentecost and, and equips the church. And still today, right, God, Luke 11, anyone who prays, God will not deny giving them the Holy Spirit for those who ask. Um, you know, and, and even John 10, you know, my sheep hear my voice uh, and they follow me. And, uh, you know, so little children, right? He gives that, you know, Jesus does this line a couple of times, you know, children, um, you know, Jesus talks that way to him, you know, beloved children, uh, you are from God uh, and, and have overcome them, right? Given the victory conquered, um, you know, it's the, that Nikkei word mm-hmm. there. Uh, he was in you is greater than he was in the world. So this is, you know, turning to that when we're in this spiritual warfare that has been described so far in chapter four, Perhaps we can get worried that we see it kind of overcoming the world, right? overcoming us, right? The world is kind of, you know, it's like a just huge tidal wave, I feel, at times. And, and I've had parishioners tell me that. It just feels there's too much. 
And here John wants to give us the certainty of the victory that is ours, right? The, our faith is what has overcome the world, uh, as he's kind of already getting at. And here he's talking about, right, uh, the, the Jesus Christ has already triumphed. I, I always think of, uh, you know, John chapter 16, verse 33, you know, Jesus tells him right before he, you know, he's about to be arrested and put on trial and crucified. You know, he says, fear not, for I have overcome the world. You know, for we who live, you know, the Easter, Easter now, uh, the eternal Easter, that Christ is, is risen, thanks be to God, hallelujah, right? That he has overcome the world. You know, death could not hold him. The grave, it, it has been broken. Uh, sin has been paid for. Uh, you know, the devil, his, his accusations have been cast aside. Uh, you know, what joy for us that we belong to him who has overcome. So therefore, what is true of the Lord Jesus is true of his people, mm. of his children. And John gives us that reminder of what he said in chapter 3. You are God's children now. Uh, here, right, because we are God's children, we are guaranteed and given the victory that Jesus Christ has won. Um, he who is in the midst of you, right, uh, Psalm 46, right, where the mighty fortress is our God, Luther gets that from, right? The God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. You know, since the Spirit of God is with his church and abides with his church, right, that's the solid ground. Uh, so, you know, another reason why we care about the, the scriptures and the right teaching is that, well, here's the solid ground. Jesus himself even says, right, he who hears my words is like building on a rock, right? Um, that's where we're building the foundation. Um, and, and because we build on that foundation, that's what's going to survive. That's what's going to cause thrive. That's what's going to cause life to cause among us and to love to grow. Um, so we care about these words and we care about this triumph and victory because it's ours in Jesus, uh, that's given to us in baptism, assured to us in the Lord's Supper. Uh, so, you know, what a, you know, we as Christians, we can never be downcast. We can never be kind of concerned about like, oh, no, you know, this is, you know, this is it. This is the end. We've lost. Um, even when it looks like and it appears on all circumstances that we're in the grave, um, we have the Lord Jesus Christ who's gotten out of the grave. And that's our Lord. And so we as Christians always have to take that that confidence and that certainty that, that what John saw with his own eyes and, and felt with his own hands and heard with his own ears, right? He's telling us this. You guys can be certain of this. Um, and there, there's our confidence yeah. again in the yeah, living God. Yeah, that's fantastic. Because, I mean, we, you know, this is some serious stuff that John is talking about here and, and stuff that we do well to take seriously, but, but not without yeah. joy. The, these things are our joy yeah. as Christians to, to confess the truth that Jesus has come in the flesh and to then to speak against those who would confess otherwise, that that is a serious thing, but it is a joyful thing, and it is a confident yeah. thing because our Lord is risen from the dead, as you said, and so He has overcome the world. This this battle that we are in is not one in which the outcome is in question. We know that Christ has already conquered the world, and so there is no need for fear. And we take His words seriously, but we we have great joy in them. We don't need to be downcast yeah. or or fearful or worried because the battle has already been been won and that really just sets us free to as we've been saying to confess to speak the same thing that God has spoken right. and let his word do the work that we know it will. Yeah, the uh I always love the line I've heard a lot recently. I think I heard President Harrison say this recently too that the future belongs to those who confess their faith. Um that that is most certainly true, right? That that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh, he is the victor over sin, death, and the devil. Uh, here's what we believe, teach, and confess. Uh, you know, as, as you go through this program, all the other programs that you can find on this station, right? Uh, the future belongs to, the, to us. 
Um, and th there's a joy. We have no fear of losing, even if we should die for this. You know, that, you think of these early Christians who stand in the Colosseum or stand in front of the Roman magistrates or still today stand in various parts of the church where they're persecuted, right? But yet can stand there in confidence and say, yeah, you know, we belong to, this is who our Lord is. And, and do your worst, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? Yeah, you can throw us in this furnace. God is able to rescue us, but even if he doesn't, Right? We will not bow down and we will not serve your, your false gods. Um, and we see how the Lord always comes mm. through for his people, even if he needs to raise them from the dead to That's do right. it. That's so, right. The Lord does not yep. put to shame those who wait for him. He always keeps his promises. Yep. In verses 5 and 6, then, John concludes this section that we've got for today. He says, They are from the world, therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. On the other hand, in verse 6, we are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this, we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Help us into these last two verses. Hmm. Yeah, so John here, he concludes with the, you know, as he gave himself as that apostolic witness at the very beginning, right? He has that certainty that we have come from God. Uh, this is what we confess, and that is the truth. Uh, so whoever listens to us, right? He's not just saying we're so cool, we're so important. He's saying because we have the right teaching, because we have the true foundation that Jesus Christ is in the flesh, has come and he is coming in the flesh. Um, we, you should listen because of that truth, because of that apostolic witness. And the church still today, right? It's, a, it's never you should listen to me because I'm a really great motivational speaker or this or that. It's what's the teaching? And that's why we're digging into testing the spirits again, right? And when you test those spirits and you find this is what the scriptures proclaim, we should listen because this is from God. Uh, and therefore it will sustain and keep us. Uh, the false spirits, right, they are from the world, which, you know, is in John's language, uh, the world is that which is always in rebellion against its creator. Um, you know, it's not just the world for being flesh and blood, right? It's the world which resists God. Um, and so, therefore, because they resist God, because they're in rebellion, they'll listen to anything that kind of confirms that, right? The, there's the itching ears again, right? They speak from the world, and the world listens to them. Um, but because we belong to Christ. This is John 8 again, right? You, you, must, not, you, know, you, you must not be God's children, because if you did, you'd listen to my word, Jesus says. Um, you know, Jesus is baffled. You know, he's amazed by this. Uh, but yet Jesus does have his sheep, uh, the sheep that do hear his voice, when he calls them by name. You know, and I think that once again, we're back at baptism, right? When the, the day that I, when all our people are baptized, when I baptize people in the triune God's name, I, I say their name, right? Uh, my whole name, Andrew Donald Bell, I baptize you. Oh, there, the voice of my shepherd has called me. Um, all right, that's, that's, a, that's the world. That's, that, that's the spirit of the, the God speaking to his people. Uh, the spirit of the world, right, always promotes this, the self again. Uh, and we, we have plenty of that in our age. We have that in spades um, in, in the world, right? The listening to you do you, um, you know, whatever works for you. I just, just yesterday we were out and about and, and talk about the spirit of this world that said, just be you. Mm. And, uh, you know, th that's the message that this world gives to people. And, you know, that dies when they do. And, and that's the tragedy of that, right? We're not against that, that message just because we're cranky and ornery. We, we're against that message because there's no life there. Uh, there's no eternal life. There's no joy in that. And, in fact, that's just me. In fact, that's going to shut out another person. Uh, that's going to shut out love. Uh, that's going to close off the abiding with God. Um, you know, so we're, we can never be about you just do you and I'll do me. It always has to be about here's the love of God who sacrificed himself, right, with such love 
And because of that, we who are now connected with him, that outflows from us to one another. Um, the world can never hear such a message. Uh, the world is only concerned about its survival. Uh, I have to make it to the end of this day uh, because it doesn't have that joy that because we have a resurrected Lord, I too have that certainty in that future. Uh, it's always looking to you know, that dog-eat-dog world. Um, that's what the world's message is. And as we see tragedy after tragedy play out in our world, um, we see the fruit of that. And Lord have mercy yeah, indeed. Lord have mercy for sure. Yeah. So again, the, the importance of keeping the true doctrine so that true community, true love can be built, that those things go hand in hand. The love of God for us, mm-hmm. the love that we share, comes from the true doctrine that we have in Christ. Pastor Belt, we've got about a minute left. Help us to wrap things up on this section mm-hmm. of First John 4 today. You know, for the listener, as we kind of we go apart, what should we take from this text here today? One, be in the scriptures. Know the word of Jesus. Cherish the word of Jesus, right? So when we, we go to service on Sunday, right, it's not just a here we are again. Uh, it is here are the words of Jesus for me today, that he forgives my sins. He's coming in the flesh for me. I'm abiding in him. And as I go out in the world, right, I get to be the witness of this truth, of this love, that we have fellowship with God and he with us and he will come again in glory and he will raise me in the flesh and I will see him as Job says, right, with my own eyes, not another's. I myself will see him. Um, that's what we should go out today with that living confidence and that hope, testing the, script, testing the spirits and looking to the scriptures for that test um, to hear when we, what, from what we hear. Pastor Andrew Belt is pastor at Christ Lutheran Church in Marshfield, Wisconsin. He has been helping us today to study 1 John 4, verses 1 to 6. Pastor Belt, thanks for being our guest today. It's been a joy. Thank you. Sherathon is coming here on KFUO later this week, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, April 27th, 28th, and 29th. That is your opportunity to partner with us at KFUO to help us share Christ for you anytime, anywhere. Please join us for special programming those three days. Sharper Iron will be live on Thursday and Friday. Please join us for those opportunities to partner with KFUO. I am your host here on Sharper Iron, Pastor Timothy Apple of Faith Lutheran Church in Godfrey, Illinois. If you have any questions for us, we would love to hear from you. Send an email to kfuo at kfuo.org. Thanks for spending the morning with us. Talk to you again tomorrow. Thank you.